like a high school gym coach. And that was like, it was like unspoken that that was the lesbian. You could basically that's, be on the real L word. You know? that's like, There'd be like this one lesbian bar and it'd be like the worst bar in town. Hey everybody, welcome to another episode of Queer Tampo, where we like to fight for equal rights and Google really bad dad jokes. <laughs> I'm Jay and on today's episode, Ren will be sitting down with local gym owner Karen Tamayo of the Seminole Heights Athletic Center to talk about what it's like to be a queer business owner why it's so important to evolve, and also the importance of staying educated about your community. And also, what's so great about Gentleman Jack? (laughs) As we all know, this is perfect timing because January is like new year, new me time. And I can tell you from personal experience that the shack is a super great space to work out. If you're on the fence or you can't stand how weird and bro-y some of those other gyms are, I can say I've personally made physical gains there and I've also made a lot of friendships. It's cool if like you're into building confidence and meeting incredible people. But like if you're not, definitely don't. Don't try it out. (laughs) Just saying. And also don't forget that we'll be at Hoochin Hive on January 29th from 5.30 p.m. to 8.30 p.m. So mark it in your calendar, okay? And let's hang out. All right, here is Ren's uh, interview with Karen, and thank you so much for listening. Hi, Karen. Welcome to Queer Tampa. Thank you so much for joining us. You're welcome. Hi, it's good to see you. Good to see you. So uh, we'll go ahead and start off. If you could introduce yourself um, along with your pronouns and how you identify. Absolutely. Uh, My name is Karen Tamayo. I live in Seminole Heights. I own a business with my wife, Marlo. We own the Seminole Heights Athletic Center. My pronoun is she, her. Um, I'm still learning all that stuff. I'm almost 50. So these, uh, I'm learning a lot from the newer the younger crowd about gender nonconforming. Yeah, I'm still I'm still learning all about that. Yeah, it's a, I feel like it's a work in progress, but I really feel like what's cool, you know, social media can be so annoying, but like what's cool about it is I feel like we have so much more access to like everybody who's different and then we get to like learn all this stuff at kind of a, maybe a faster pace than if yes. we didn't have it. For sure, for sure. We have, I would say, probably 50% of our membership at the gym, mostly lesbians, but we do have some gay men. I have some transgender friends. I don't have anybody who is transgender currently at the gym, uh, but we did have a couple of members. They've since moved away. But um, So I've, I try to make our facility comfortable for everybody. So I think when people walk in knowing that, I think that uh, it's important for me for people to feel welcome when they come in here, no matter what, um, because I grew up not always feeling comfortable about it. I do think that you've been able to really create that environment. And what I love about you is that some businesses, like I have a business and sometimes I feel shy about how open I am about, you know, being gay. But what I love about you is your logos are rainbow. Like you're really all in with it. And I think that that really helps foster that community of, okay, that's going to be a safe space. So I want to go over there. So I think you've done a great job with that. Yeah. I mean, that was really important for us to, for everybody to know, like, obviously my wife and I we've uh we just had our seven-year wedding anniversary Um, yeah yeah long time thank you um but it was important for us that everybody that comes in here knows that you know this is us and this is how we're going to be and um 
I wasn't always a very open about my sexuality. I grew up in South Carolina. I grew up in the Southern Baptist Church. So um, it wasn't until much later in life that I became more comfortable with that. So I wanted to make sure that as an adult, like growing up, you know, that way, when I got into my 30s and into my 40s, I wanted to live as myself. And I want people to know that's what it's going to be. And I'm not going to apologize for it. I'm not going to change anything. Um, I am a pretty private person otherwise, but like, you're going to know I have a wife and we walk down the street and we hold hands and we sometimes we'll be at dinner and hug and kiss or whatever. But um, I think that it's important for me personally to be able to live that way. I love that. That's beautiful. And help others and inspire others to live that way too, I think. So, yeah. you know, you kind of are touching on it, but would you might be open to sharing kind of your coming out experience and what that was like for you? Sure. So it, like I said, I, um, I grew up in a really conservative area in South Carolina. And um, when I was a child, my family, we were part of the Southern Baptist Church and um, it's all fire and brimstone and you're going to hell and you know, that's it. So, um, and I always knew I was different probably from uh, first or second grade. I knew really didn't know what was different, just felt, you know, different. So for years, I never uh, did anything when in high school, you try to, you go out on some dates with boys, but back in the day, like that was, uh, that was the eighties. We weren't really, there wasn't a lot of dating, one-on-one -on -one dating. It was group dates. So I did not have any exposure really to anybody who I remember as being gay mm -hmm. until college. I went to the College of Charleston my first year. It's a very liberal city. It's a liberal arts school. There were people of all shapes and sizes. So you, I did run into some um, gay and lesbian folk there, but still was very hesitant about doing anything. After I finished college, I joined the Coast Guard. That was probably right in the middle of Bill Clinton's second term. So it was don't ask, don't tell. Mm -hmm. I was experimenting with kind of talking to women and dating women, but nobody could know you would get kicked out. So, you know, you don't want to lose your job. I had to be very private about that. I uh, met a woman when I was in California in the Coast Guard and I was in love. So I wrote my mother a letter. I don't know if you know much about Southern mamas, but I, I was scared to death of my mother, scared to death, and still a little bit scared of her today. Although I'm much bigger than she is now, I could probably take her in a fight if I had to. <laughs> but um, I met this woman and I was in love with her. So I wrote my mother a letter, like four page long letter, because I was scared to tell her in person. And, um, and I was in California, she was in South Carolina. So it took a couple of days. So for like a week, I was a wreck. And then I got a letter back and my mother, and I, God love her she, you know, she's much better now than she used to be, but she was like, I don't want to see you on TV being some, like, at some gay, and it's so funny, she called it gay prize parade, <laughs> and I'm like, it's a prize, yeah, <laughs> um, she's like, I don't want to see you as a uh -huh. spokesperson, don't tell anybody in the family, and uh -huh. uh, we kind of just left it at that for years, um, we didn't talk about it, I had girlfriends after that, and people would come like on vacation with me or I'd have a roommates or whatever, you know, air quotes. Um, but it was, um, it was kind of unspoken for a long time. So my mother was the only one in the family who knew who officially knew, listen, I, you've met me. 
I'm as gay, gay, gay as they get. Like, I was a tomboy. I, I used to change out of the dresses my mom would put me in and put on my pants and my t-shirts. Like, I just never was a girly girl ever. So, um, but she was the only one I actually told. Years later, I actually had a job with like Charleston County Parks and Recreation. And there were a lot of gay people there and they were out. And I was like, oh, maybe I could be out. And then I met um, the woman I was in a relationship with for uh, probably about nine and a half, ten years uh, there. But she was always like my roommate, air quotes. Right, uh, your friend. My friend, <laughs> where we yeah. shared a house together. <laughs> right. Uh, but then my mom got really sick. Um, she had an aneurysm, and uh, we weren't sure if she was going to make it from the time I left Charleston to drive to um, where she was in Spartanburg is three hours. I didn't know if she was going to be alive when I got home. We were able to get her to the medical center back in Charleston to have this uh, procedure done. And while we were waiting, my dad and I were in the waiting room and I told him, I was like, I got to tell you, mom told me never to tell anybody, but I got to tell you I'm gay. And he's like, well, that's not a big surprise, but thanks for <laughs> telling me. And I was like, well, I didn't know because he wanted to be on Facebook. And I was like, whoa, if you're on Facebook, like I'm out, I'm out on Facebook. Like that's it. My girlfriend and I, we had pictures, everything. So right. that was the big coming out for my parents, probably 20 years apart, you know? So for all those years, I didn't talk to my dad about it. And then eventually, um, as my mother recovered, I told my sister, I told my nephews, um, but there are other members of the family we haven't told my grandmother she's almost 100 i haven't seen her in a few years she does she probably knows somebody's probably told her but like why bother this little old southern baptist woman with this because she'll be conflicted about it for the rest of her life so right. um, for me it's not important the people that i really care about now they all know marlo's family has been amazing they took me in right away and made me feel like part of their family no judgment. They, you know, their daughter's gay. So like, they were just like, welcome to the family, you know, mm -hmm. and we, when we got married, everybody was so super happy for us. So, um, and my mom actually came to the wedding reception. We, we kind of eloped and then came back and had a big party. So my mom came to the wedding reception and she loves Marlo. Marlo's like her favorite person, probably likes her more than she likes me. <laughs> most days, I mean, Marlo is incredibly likable person. Yeah, she's very likable. Amazing if your mom did it. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, it took several years for me to come out all the way. But like once I was out, I was guns a blazing out. There's no there's no reason not to be to live as your true self. I I, I just don't see any reason in that. Like even when I was down here and had like a regular job, like I wanted to have insurance for my domestic partner or whatever we were at the time before uh, before I got married so like you have to tell people that that we deserve all those things I deserve to have insurance I deserve to be able to go see my partner in the hospital if they're ill you know so for me after many years of hiding it uh, and being so conflicted about it I finally was just like I deserve what everybody else has why why not why shouldn't I get it so absolutely I, I just felt like it that that's the only way to live now. My journey was very weird, but I also grew up in the 70s and the 80s in the South. So it's it's obviously very different from kids today um, with social media and TV shows, you know, the L word, Gentleman Jack, 
mm -hmm. all, you know, all the new stuff where you have lesbians and gays just out, out there all the time. So I didn't have any of that growing up. I didn't, we didn't have shows with, or there would be a gay guy and he would be like the hairdresser, you know? Right. That or was this, it. like joke of a character almost like. Yeah, it was very stereotypical, very comic, comic relief kind of thing. So I didn't have a lot of, didn't have anybody to look to, to turn to, to right. show me how to do this. Nobody was, there was no talisman to kind of guide me on my way. Yeah. Well, and, you know, saying about like the gay man hairdresser, I feel like it was like, if you saw any kind of gay person, it was like two men, you know, and it was totally stereotyped in television, especially like back in the seventies and eighties, but yeah. really like two women. I don't feel, I feel like that was like, a long time before that started showing up. Right, like you would have these TV shows with like a female gym coach, like a high school gym <laughs> right. coach. And that was like, it was like unspoken that that was the lesbian at the high school. <laughs> there. I'm like, well, I guess that's true. I mean, my basketball coach in high school was a lesbian. She wasn't out either, but now she's out. Like yeah. we all know now. Yeah. But back then we didn't know. It was just like she, is very androgynous. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, talking about Southern Baptist, so my family is also Southern Baptist. So I feel you on that, on that journey. Mm -hmm. I was raised in that and everything. So, I mean, how long do you feel like, how long did it take you to kind of break out of that in terms of like yourself? I'm conflicted coming from the church because I always heard so much about what you should be doing and how that's wrong. What we're doing, what I'm doing now is considered wrong, but um, it definitely led me out of the church. So it's been a really long time and I'm kind of mm -hmm. dealing with it right now where I'm like thinking about the church again, mm -hmm. but I would not probably go back to that, uh, go back to that extreme. It's weird. Like yeah. I don't want for, I don't want to feel like what I'm doing is wrong, even though maybe people don't believe that in my mind, I think it's still back there somewhere. Like, you know, it's not accepted. It's not right. It's not this, whatever. I yeah, don't know. no, totally. And then I think some stuff that ends up coming up with politics and stuff like that and on Facebook and like seeing all the things that people post sometimes it's like, whoa, like, you know, I have been in this bubble of acceptance or safety. Like I keep forgetting that it isn't like that everywhere. And so, right. you know, you're exposed to some of those other, other sides of things, but my family was kind of the same way where they were, because like my brother came out a year after me. So both of their oh. kids are gay. Whoa. And I what know. Did they do? <laughs> exactly. But how they explained it kind of was like, they just knew that our lives were going to be a that much harder because we were living outside the norm. And so that's where some of their sadness came from or their grief about, you know, the situation was you know, that layer of like, well, we just know you're going to struggle in, the, in different ways and people are going to judge you. And, and so right. it's, and I know that it's hard for them to reconcile their beliefs with their experience. Cause obviously like we're their kids and we're just normal doing normal things like right. dating and working and buying yeah. a house. Like we're There's not nothing, nothing really different about what we're doing. <laughs> Everything's the same. Like I pay my taxes mm -hmm. and I pay all my bills and I come to work every day and have dinner and all that stuff. Just who your partner happens to be. So yeah. um, I I think as times change, people get less you know worried about it. I don't think my mom is as worried about about it as she used to be because she's been here. She's seen our 
network that we have here. She knows that we have a lot of friends and family here that would, you know, take care of us. A group of people who would lift us up, you know, be like your biggest fans, right? So, Mm -hmm. you know, when you're saying like you were in California, you had the super long-term relationship and everything, you know, once you're kind of out and you were out of that relationship, were you dating for a while? Like, were you kind of playing the field at all or? Gosh, Uh, (laughs) dating. So dating in the nineties and I was in South Carolina. um, And even though, like I said, Charleston's a pretty liberal city. I'm still in South Carolina. It's very conservative. Dating in the nineties was really, really hard. I see it here too. Lesbians, like there's not a lot of lesbian specific places to go. Right. So like there'd be like this one lesbian bar and it'd be like the worst bar in town. Like like, you don't want to go in there, but that's where all the lesbians went. So like we went there. It's hard to meet people. And this was before online dating. Like Mm -hmm. we were still doing dial up on the internet. Like legit, I'm, I'm old. So it was very hard to date. I did date some people. A lot of times it would be women who were just trying it out for a little bit, you know, for a couple Mm -hmm. months, Mm -hmm. um, which was fine. I wasn't, I was still young. I still wanted to like play the field. And there was a, there was a time, um, for a little bit where I was like, I'm gonna not exclude 50% of the population. So when I was in the coast guard, I was like, I'm gonna, if I meet a guy I like, we're going to go out on a date. So I had this kind of thing where I would just go out on dates with guys and girls, but I always just felt more attracted to women and just felt like it was a better match. I have a lot of guy friends and it was always fun, but I did, there wasn't that sexual attraction component. Mm -hmm. I did that for a little while and kind of played the field on both sides. And then when I moved down here, I was with my ex. After we broke up, I was almost 40, but there's a lot of us out there. So at that point there was plenty of fish and all those other days, I don't even know what they were, but I ended up building a really good kind of network of women friends who we were all single and didn't really want to date each other, but we, we were able to like find some common ground and kind of help each other out while we were all single. It was, there were like six of us that were kind of single at the time. You go out one date and you're like, well, there's no spark, but you're really cool. Let's, let's hang out. So let's be friends. I tried my hand at dating more than one person at a time. Cause I'd never done that. Yeah. And, how and that, that was an experience. Uh, I mean, I wouldn't, I wouldn't crazy about it. Like I'm like a, I'm like a monogamous type person. So like it was uh, an eye opening experience to have a date with one person on one night and then the next night have a date with another person. Like it was, but that's what you do. You kind of try everything out. Like, and were you able to like keep all the details straight? I'd be afraid I would like mix up people's details or something. (laughs) Yes. It was very easy. It was very easy to keep them straight. And I, you know, if this weren't like a public podcast, I could tell you all the details about each one of them, but like it was, um, it was something where I was trying a bunch of people outside of my comfort zone. Nothing against my ex, but I was dating people that were completely opposite of my ex because obviously that didn't work. So I was like, all right, I'm going to try somebody who's older, somebody who's shorter, somebody who's different complexion, like every, like just hit the rainbow of the spectrum, like kind of thing where I was like, I'm going to do some things that I wouldn't normally do because I got complacent in, in that whole thing I was comfortable with. And that's when you kind of, you don't grow that way. 
Mm-hmm. And I felt stifled when I was in that relationship a little bit. I wasn't, I felt like I was growing, but not, I wasn't allowed to grow the way I wanted to grow because I had to be here because I was with this woman. Mm-hmm. But really what I wanted to do was be way up here because I felt like, oh, here I am now. Like, I feel like I've matured over these nine, 10 years. Mm-hmm. So I tried some different, tried some different characteristics that I would normally do. And I never got any body mixed up or any facts mixed up, but I did double book uh, <laughs> dates. So I literally went from one date from like 6 p.m. to 9 p.m. to another date at like 10 o'clock and till whenever. So wow. I, yeah, it's crazy. You could basically that's, be on the real L word. You know? that's like, <laughs> yeah. No, I am nowhere near like Shane or whatever. That's not me, but it was totally accidental. And it was before I had like an iPhone. So we were just, I was just going basically off of like what little note I wrote down on like a sticky note. Mm-hmm. Flip phone. I think that was flip phone days, maybe. <laughs> well, I like, I like what you said about how, you know, your one relationship was kind of almost keeping you stagnant in your growth. And then yeah. some relationships really helped to propel you. Like my wife, Jay and I, we talk about that all the time, just about how you know, and some people don't want that kind of growth 24 right. seven, which is totally fine. But like right. I do, it sounds like you do. So it's, it is nice to find that person who is kind of your mirror of the good and the bad so that yes. you are constantly kind of pushing yourself. Yeah. I feel, I feel like, you know, um, my, you don't know this, but my parents have been married for, uh, this year will be 50 years. So, and even when they were having bad times, they were still together. Um, so like that was my, those were my role models. So I was in this relationship where I felt stagnant mm-hmm. to use that word. But, um, I also felt like I couldn't get out because no, I couldn't get out. I shouldn't get out because I needed to work harder to make it mm-hmm. what I wanted, except my partner was happy with the status quo. And here I am like wanting more. I want more adventure. I want more, whatever, whatever I wanted. But mm-hmm. I, it was like, you know, here I am growing and wanting something different and you're staying the same. So, but every relationship experiences that probably. And if you don't find a partner who is there to be your biggest fan and kind of help you push you up on the ladder or to kind of guide you and say, Hey, maybe that's not a great idea but let's try something different, which is what I found in Marlo, somebody who was able to help me realize my fullest potential. You know, like I had this great job. uh, I used to work at Moffitt and I felt like I was making a difference, but I also felt like I could do more and in the neighborhood, I could do more to help people before they got to the hospital. So Mm -hmm. she kind of, she kind of helped me realize that, you know what, if I wanted it bad enough, we could make it happen. So because of her, we have this, you know, this great little community that we're building here in the Seminole Heights community. That is so beautiful. So when you first met her, like, could you tell that almost like instantly, like, did you guys have really good connection right away? Like, how was it when you met? We did. So we had, we had actually met online, but didn't meet until like a month or two later. We kind of chatted online a little bit. She obviously lives in Tampa, grew up in Tampa, and I was a transplant because my ex is from Tampa. So I was, I really didn't have many friends that weren't friends of my exes. So that's why it was really important for me to build that other little community that I had built. Mm-hmm. Um, so finally, one night, I, 
I think I'd been on a date and she was like out to dinner and those apps used to tell you, Hey, so-and-so is close by. <laughs> so she sent me like a little chat message on one of the apps and she's like, so you're right down the street. Do you want to meet? I was like, well, I can't meet. She didn't have to know I was on a date, but uh, <laughs> I was like, let's, let's make a date. Like let's set a date. So we met at uh, ceviche, which is now the mill. Um, and I, I mean, I just really, really enjoyed her company and her conversation and her attitude right away. Like, so we met and we're like, all right, we're going to have drinks. And if we, if we don't find one of each other hideous, let's go have dinner. She was having dinner with her twin sister. And I was like, whoa, we're getting, we're getting right down <laughs> to the bedding. Like I am going to be put to the test. Mm -hmm. So we had our drinks and then we met her twin sister with her husband and Marlo's childhood best friend. Wow. No pressure. Husband. No pressure. <laughs> no pressure. First date, uh, like first time meeting. And I was like, well, you know, this is great. I'm really having a good time. I actually had made plans to go meet some of my friends downtown at like 1030. If you want to come, like I would never go anywhere at 1030 now, but like back in the day when I was <laughs> single, I was out. So we went to fly bar and met a couple of my coast guard buddies. and. Um, she hung in there with me the whole night and we just laughed and had the best time. And, you know, we still dated other people for a couple months. And then one, one night I got a text message. She's like, I think I just would like to just date you. Like, I think I want to make this exclusive. And I was like, oh, whatever. Okay, that's fine. That's cool. I'm good with that. So I, yeah, we, we didn't date for a whole year. We probably dated for like nine months and she asked me to marry her the Aww. day of the Georgia, Florida game. Georgia had won that day I think so I was super excited and then I got engaged too so it was amazing wow yeah it was a good day it's a good day <laughs> so nine months so did you u-haul before then you know no, um, we did I did move in with her because my lease was coming up you know, it's very convenient we it wasn't like I was spending the night every night kind of at the beginning you know like I didn't want to do that I didn't want to fall into that trap so it took us probably six months I think before we did the U-Haul thing and then Not I paid somebody, I paid somebody to move I wasn't doing the U-Haul <laughs> I didn't want to be so cliche let somebody else do the heavy lifting well um you know another stereotype talked about U-Hauling is like driving jeeps like do either of you drive a jeep well, I actually had a Jeep when I was in the Coast Guard, but I do not have a Jeep now. I have a giant, giant, big girl truck. All right. With all the modern conveniences inside. Wow. Yeah, we always laugh like um, Jay has been training for her new job and she came home from training the other day and she's like, there's a lesbian in my class and get this, she drives a Jeep. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God. Oh, of course gosh. she does. It's so much fun. It's it is fun. a lot of fun. I mean, I do give people a hard time about it, but I was one, I did it too. Like that was the first thing I did when I got out of boot camp is I bought a Jeep. <laughs> I just always wonder like where that has come from to, to me. So. I don't know. I know. Well, the deal, yo. We watched the L word. You'd mentioned the L word and we had watched the, uh, like rewatched it to prep for the new like launch of it. And Shane and Carmen were bopping around in Jeeps on it. So I wonder if that's oh, where it started. I didn't even, I don't even remember that. That's pretty funny. I think it started well before that, but. <laughs> so do you, have you seen the new season of the L word? I have not. So um, I don't know if you know this about me, but I'm a Star Wars nerd. Okay. So I have been obsessed with Disney Plus, The Mandalorian, 
and I are, I bought my tickets to see the Star Wars movie this weekend, like months ago. Okay. Um, so after the Star Wars stuff, then we'll go back and watch the L Word. But I did binge watch Gentleman Jack three times. I had to watch really it three, times. three times. It's so good. Okay. It's well, so good. now I'll have to try it out. I tried yeah. the first episode and I kind of just got stuck in it and didn't come back to it. But so oh, tell me yeah. what you like you gotta, about it. Uh, I I think that so this is all and I don't remember it's uh it's probably in the 1800s I think 1830s somewhere around there but um there's this woman her name's Ann Lister she's an actual this is based on a true story she wrote a diary and wrote in code and talked about her dalliances with women Mm -hmm. but you know was also very religious and had a hard time kind of reconciling that she had like three great loves in her life lost the first two and then found this woman that literally lived Right now, we would say down the street, but, you know, miles away. I just found that the way that she navigated through life, even back then, and people were like, she's odd, she's strange, she's mannish, all this stuff. But she was able to maintain her social standing. Ultimately, she found the woman that she loved, and they had, like, basically like a wedding. And I know, obviously, there's dramatic interpretation of this, but, like, the love story is really good. And then I went back and read excerpts from her, from her actual diary. And it's, I mean, this is legitimate. Like, they're, they did a lot of research in the show. Oh, my God, I love it. Well, and, you know, to have been through the 70s and 80s, like you said, and then to see somebody in such an earlier time period go through the same things and navigate the same things. It's kind of like this full circle feeling too. That's like, oh. Right. It, it, gives, it gives me hope that people in the future, will, it will be much easier for kids. I mean, you're, you, you guys are obviously doing great, but like these teenagers now and kids in middle school and mm-hmm. kids that are kind of like figuring it out when they're young, like if this woman could do it back then and I can do it now, like it's going to be easy. It's going to be easier in the future. Mm-hmm. I just try to tell people like, just keep plugging away. Like when we go to Pride and we meet young people, I'm like, you guys, you know, you're so lucky. And I didn't pave the way for anybody. Like, <laughs> I'm not somebody who was out there protesting. So, you know, those before us paved the way and have made my life easier. And, you know, I just try to be out there and be so people can be aware that we're we're everywhere. So, like, (laughs) it makes it easier for every generation after us, I think. The more we're out here, it just makes it easier. I think that you're right. Yeah, we went to Orlando Pride. We, like, loved seeing the young kids. And I felt, like, a tinge of jealousy just because it's like, oh, I wish I was that confidently out when I was a teenager. Right. Wow. Yeah. No, it's, it's different. It's much different. It's not easier, but it's definitely different. It's been an education for me. I I Mm -hmm. still, I still want to know more. I want to be able to have that just kind of roll off the tongue and not have to think about it so much. You know, it's one of those things where uh, I'm trying to teach this old dog a new trick kind of thing where I'm like, okay, I don't want to offend anybody. So I don't want anybody to be offended if I don't get it right the first time. Mm-hmm. promise I'm not doing it on purpose. It's just, it's something new. So as long as I feel like as long as we can be patient mm-hmm. and they can be patient, we can, we can all get to where we need to be. Right? Oh, totally. I'm so thankful to my non-binary friends. Cause I feel like without them and their, you know, like you're saying their patience and being like, actually, this is what I prefer. And this is why. And yeah. here are the experiences I've been through. It's like, I definitely wouldn't understand it like I do now. And even online. And I think with the algorithms and everything online, it's like, we can kind of see more of the same and get stuck in our bubble. So 
intentionally going and following you know, other people in the queer community that are, don't get as much credit or don't get as much visibility and just exposing myself more so that I can try to learn and like be more out there. And some of it is through making a fool of myself first, you know, yeah. and then getting corrected and then getting to hopefully, you know, get it right the next time. But it is such a journey. Yeah, well, for sure. I actually commend you for using the word queer. Like, I don't think that, I think for a long time, that was taboo, right? Mm -hmm. Like we weren't using that word. It's just one of those things. And it actually comes up in that show, Gentleman Jack. She does talk about, she does use the word queer, but like, it's one of, like we probably, I didn't hear it, you know, through the first part, the early 2000s very much. But also yeah. again, I'm in a very sheltered kind of area where we don't always talk about it, but yeah. Um, well, know, and it's I nice to put it out there again, I think. And like as these gender lines blur, so like as people are more and more arranged and it's not just black and white, you know, lesbian is very woman to woman, gay is right. very man to man. I mean, it's just very binary. So I felt like it was really the only word to try to like really encompass the full spectrum right. and try to bring everybody together. Because a big thing that we've noticed is that like St. Pete has a lot of stuff. Orlando has a lot of stuff, but what does Tampa have? Like what's going on in Tampa? So. Right. Yeah. No, it's, it's been great. Like, I, I think, you know, as, as you get some more people kind of doing the podcast and getting out there, I think, um, and as we educate ourselves more, it'll mm -hmm. be, it'll be better. Like mm -hmm. Tampa pride is still very small in comparison to Orlando pride and St. Pete pride like mm -hmm. Tampa's just a little behind you know we're behind at the waterfront we're behind with the downtown so like we're we're picking it up you know <laughs> I think Tampa, Tampa just needs a little extra time yeah for sure and okay so obviously we love living in Seminole Heights but something I get a lot of questions about is like where are the best places to live and then where are the best places to go and hang out so do you have any kind of favorite places to hang out my favorite restaurant in all of tampa is rooster and patel marlo knows the owner from like childhood again she grew up here so wow. she knows a lot of people we walk in and they're like oh hey, oh um to hang out you know it's funny um we have we live off of one block off of central and we're friends with all of our neighbors we hang out a lot on their front porch. I mean, I couldn't tell you the last time I went to like a bar and like went dancing and stuff. <laughs> I know that people go to Ebor and do that. And Ebor's yeah. fun. Like as you get older, you start hanging out at home so you don't have to drive anywhere. I mean, we're <laughs> early 30s and we are this, I mean, I could say the exact same thing. <laughs> like we hang out at home. I mean, I, in my 20s, we were out all the time, but now I'm like, let's just grab a bottle of wine and walk one block that way and go sit <laughs> on Central on the front porch and watch people drive by. Yeah. Um, it ends, that ends up happening a lot. Um, we do like to go to the Tampa theater. Uh, we usually try to get a group of people to go on Wednesday nights and go watch whatever is playing there. Um, and for the past couple of years, I haven't done much. I've, I'm at the gym at mm -hmm. 6am and I don't leave until like eight. So like when I go home, I'm home. Mm -hmm. Um, but I'm trying to make a little bit of a personal life outside of the gym for myself. So at least once a week, I'll go out and we'll have dinner somewhere, usually in the neighborhood. We don't leave the neighborhood much. It's, it's very rare that we get in our car and actually go anywhere. So. Mm -hmm. And I like what you said. Well, it's not about liking it, but how you were talking about, like, you guys just didn't have a lot of gay friends. I think 
that's so normal for everybody. And like my straight friends, they're, they always just think that gay people are just around each other 24 <laughs> seven. And I'm like, no, we don't, like, all, we don't all know each other. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So it's interesting how that happens too. And it's just because of courses of life, you just don't think about it. So it's almost like you have to be a little more intentional when you're seeking out those friendships. Two two of our like friend couples are lesbian couples, but like our next door neighbors, they're in their thirties. There's a man and a woman, they have a three-year-old, like they're some of our very best friends. A bunch of the couples that come to the gym, they're heterosexual married couples and we hang out with them outside the gym. Most of the people that come to the gym live within, a, I'd say like a mile and a half to two mile radius. So like <laughs> I see these people working out and then we hang out together socially. So listen, it's the chances are you're going to have more straight friends anyway, because right. of the ratio just gay to straight in, um, in America, in the world, I don't know, but um, we don't have like a lot of gay specific hangouts. So like, I don't yeah. go hang out with my gay girlfriends or, you know, whatever. I don't know. Yeah, it's true. The only one I really know of in Tampa right now, which if you're listening and you want to open something, like please do it. Do it. (laughs) Is um, Hooch and Hive, which is run by a lesbian. Oh, yeah, Amber and Sandy. Mm -hmm. Yeah, um, I think Marlo knows Sandy, but uh, yeah, and they're they're great, and it's not too far from the Heights, right down the uh, boulevard. Well, um, so, okay, this time of year is a time where a lot of people set resolutions and set some workout goals. If you would, would you just share a little bit about what people can expect if they come and hang out at your athletic center? Sure. Um, Here at the Shack, we do all sorts of workouts. We have barbells, dumbbells, kettlebells. We do stuff with medicine balls, um, a lot of body weight stuff. Uh, some gymnastics kind of stuff. It's varied. There's a lot of different things. I'd like to um, write workouts where somebody coming off the couch can do the same workout as somebody who's been coming for months. All right. We just have to adapt it to your uh, level of ability. And Jay could tell people that Mm -hmm. from personal experience, we were able to work around some things with her and get her a really good workout in. Mm-hmm. Um, but the, uh, the biggest thing is, again, when people walk in, I want them to feel like this is a safe space. You're not going to see a bunch of people walking around without their shirts on every now and then there'll be a shirt off. Mm-hmm. Um, not a lot of booty shorts, not a lot of stuff like that, but it's a place where people come work out. We're all working out and dying together. So you're going to feel that camaraderie. First week is free. I don't expect anybody to make a decision based on one workout. It could be the worst workout ever. I don't right. want you to base your whole thing <laughs> on that one. So we offer a free week um, and then everything's different. It's a one hour class. We do a warm up. We sometimes, if we're going to do like a strength, like with a barbell or weights, we'll go over the technique and we'll do a specific warm up for that body part. Then we'll do our strength work. Then we'll do a workout that probably incorporates that movement in some way. The workouts are anywhere from six or seven minutes to like 20 minutes, just depends on what day it is. Um, Then I always have some uh, mobility and stretching exercises for people to do on their own at the end. And there's always extra credit. If you have a little bit of gas left in the tank, you can always (laughs) do some extra credit. We, um, during the year, we work on certain parts. So like in the summertime, we did a bunch of abs like one month was all abs, extra credit. One month was all push-ups. One month was all planks. So sometimes we'll focus that a little bit. And other times we just come in here and have a good time and work with somebody else. And if you didn't come with somebody, you, you made a new friend today. So 
with. I want people to like interact with one another. It's all about what you put into it. So if you come in and you want to, you know, want a really good workout, you can get a really good workout. If you come in and you don't feel so great that day, if you give me 70%, you're still going to get a good workout, but you can modify everything. So, you know, some days we can't give 150%. Some days it's only 75. Mm -hmm. But at least we're getting up, we're trying and we're putting in some effort, which I'm sure over the years of having the gym, you've seen a lot of transformations and people just even confidence wise, not even necessarily like physically, but it's like just that mood shift. Absolutely. Like yesterday, one of our members who's been coming for a while, we do this thing where we hang from the pull-up bar and she's been coming for three years and she's like, I couldn't even hang up there for five seconds. And she hung up there for 30 seconds yesterday. She's like, that's the first time I've been able to do that. Mm -hmm. So it's those little tiny celebrations that really get me super pumped. Like I didn't come from a background of health and fitness. I worked at a hospital. I diagnosed cancer and cells when I worked at Moffitt. So I am doing this to make, it doesn't have to be a drastic change. It can just be a teeny tiny little change. Just coming to the gym three times a week and doing something is going to make a huge difference in your life later. Mm -hmm. It can be a confidence booster for sure. You may not see these drastic changes weight wise, but as you come in here and you start doing things, you will feel better. You can see people who will kind of are standing a little bit taller or, Mm -hmm. or, and they are, they are having their own little victories, right? They're, they're holding a plank for 45 seconds instead of 30 seconds, or they're, they're able to do more sit-ups or more push-ups, or maybe if we do a weight one day, like they're doing heavier bench press or they're using a, a different dumbbell. So it's the little victories that I like to celebrate. I mean, we have people that come in here and lift a bunch of weights and that's really cool. And I love to lift weights, but for me, I'm older. So now I still want to be able to do all that stuff. It doesn't have to be at a breakneck pace, but if I can get up and move every day, I'm like super duper happy. Yeah. Well, and linking it to your previous job, it's like with cancer and some of these terminal illnesses, they are preventable through our lifestyle or they are greatly affected by our lifestyle. So it's like, you know, having that ability to work with someone like you and built, you know, get up and move off of the couch and, you know, eat a little better. It really can probably make some of those diagnoses. Go yeah. I, th- I think that, you know, I got, I, I was at Moffitt for a little over eight years and um, I would just see so many people coming in and, you know, it's, it's, it's you know, smoking, drinking, um, obesity, all these factors. These are those three things we can all change a little bit. Now I'm not yeah. saying, you don't ever get to eat or you don't ever get to have any beers. I love this neighborhood. We go to the brew bus. We go to uh, Seventh Son. I love Extreme Taco. I love Lee's groceries, pizza. Mm-hmm. So you can have those things, but in moderation, obviously. I'm never going to be like a size two. I've never been a size two, but I'm a really healthy size whatever right now. <laughs> it's the holidays, yeah. so I'm not giving away anything. But, you know, we you know, in the new year, we'll try to focus more on, okay, maybe we change our eating habits a little bit and we continue our workouts. Like right now I got to give everybody a break. It's, it's a holiday. So I'm not going to, and I'm not going to get in my head about it either. I'm going to enjoy my holiday. And I know, cause I'll come in here and put the work in after the fact. So things will be, things will be back to normal in January. I give myself a little bit of leeway right now, as everybody should, you're going to be out having holiday parties, going out, meeting people, mingling, having drinks, having uh, snacks and stuff. So enjoy it. 
Yes. Eat the dang cake and then yeah, come work the out. <laughs> work out in January. Come on. <laughs> I love it. Well, I really, really appreciate your time with us today. Um, before we end this, can you just let people know like what your social media is, what your website is, if they want to learn more? Sure. We are the, uh, on Instagram, we are Seminole Heights Athletic Center, all one word. Um, we post videos and stories and all sorts of stuff all day long. Uh, on Facebook, we're Seminole Heights Athletic Center. Um, you can contact me through the Facebook page with a direct message. Um, and I usually am able to get back to you pretty quickly. Our website, www.shathleticcenter.com. There is a link at the bottom where you can send us an email. If you have any questions, we can answer that there. You can usually find me at the gym most days. <laughs> awesome. If you ever see any crazy people running up and down the street carrying something heavy, that's us probably. <laughs> like appropriately weighted things. Appropriately weighted for things for you. <laughs> that's very, very funny. Uh, well, thank you so much. I really enjoyed our time together and I hope to see you around. I, you sure will. All right. Thank you, Karen. Thank you. Bye. Bye.